Ibon, Jazir, Nimrah, Heshbon, Ilela, Sebum, Nebo, and beyond. <clears throat> or something like that. The land which the Lord conquered before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to them, Shall your brothers go to war? While you yourself sit here. Now, why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over into the land which the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the sons of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger burned in that day, and he swore, saying, None of the men who came up from Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For they did not follow me fully except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. They followed the Lord fully. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. And now behold, you have risen up in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to add still more to the burning anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once more abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, heart to understand, and a willingness to embrace all you have spoken and all you have for us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Now, I'm from the generation when cigarette advertising was quite common on TV and magazines and places. And I'm, well, I need your help, those of you who are from my generation. Um, there was an old saying about one of the cigarette brands, I'd rather fight than switch. Does anybody recall which particular brand of cigarette that was from? Rather fight than... Lucky Strike. You're correct. I knew the answer already. <clears throat> a lawyer, I'm not, which I'm not, but Greg Border would say you never ask a client a question that you don't already know the answer to, right? Lucky strike. How'd you know that, by the way? Oh, yeah, okay, all right. It was a lucky strike. I'd rather fight than switch. He did, he did. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in chapter 10 of his first letter, says that the experiences of Israel in Egypt and in the wilderness and in the land and all the things that happened in the Old Testament are an example to us. They were written for our instruction. 
upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So we're able to see ourselves in Genesis and Exodus and Numbers. Throughout the Old Testament, we see ourselves. There's a pattern here. And it should be clear to us that our, our passage out of the bondage of sin through the blood of Christ parallels the miraculous deliverance of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They were baptized in the sea and in the cloud. We are baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. They were given supernatural manna. We are giving, given the supernatural word of life, the bread of life. The promised land, also called Canaan, the land beyond the Jordan River, that is on the west side of the Jordan River, was the destination of Israel. It was the land God had promised to Abram so many generations before. In Genesis chapter 13, God said to Abram, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land which you see, I'll give it to you and to your descendants forever. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. He renews this promise in Genesis 15. In fact, God swears a covenant with Abraham, saying, I will give your descendants this land. Abraham dies. But God renews his oath to Isaac in Genesis 26. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will give your descendants all these lands. Isaac passes. God renews his promise to Jacob in Genesis 28. And when Jacob appears in Paddan Aram and God appears to him in Genesis 35 and changes his name to Israel, God renews his vow again, saying, The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and I give to your descendants after you. And even at the end of Genesis, in chapter 50, God is still promising the land. For Joseph makes his brothers swear that they will take his bones to the land promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's intention, His desire, His will has always been for His, his people to possess the land. Not a select few, not just a few, but for all His people to possess the land. Exodus chapter 15. Moses has this to say after they had passed through the Red Sea. Chapter 15, verse 16. Until your people pass over, O Lord. Until the people pass over whom you have purchased, you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary which your hands have established, where the Lord will reign forever and ever. 
Canaan was the land God sovereignly chose to be his dwelling place. The sanctuary, Moses says, that God's own hand established. And where is that dwelling place today? There is physical Israel and there is spiritual Israel. Revelation chapter 21. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. Verse 9, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke, saying, Come here, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. We are the bride. We are the holy city. We are the new Jerusalem. We are his dwelling place. We are the sanctuary which God's own hands established. We are the land. Canaan lies within. Wherever we go, we carry the land. For the land represents all our provision, salvation, healing, deliverance, righteousness, justification, sanctification. All the abundant life we have in Christ Jesus. And the normal Christian life is life living in the land, the kingdom of God. But many among us have become accustomed to average Christianity, church membership, occasionally coming to the fellowship on Easter or special occasions only. Being nice to the preacher when he comes to visit us once a year. Staying out of each other's way. Well, average Christianity is repulsive to the Father. It's repulsive. God has established a normal pattern for all His saints. And that pattern is entering the land and having the land so worked into us that it becomes inseparable from us. Those who choose to live outside the land choose to reject the dwelling of God. Numbers chapter 32 All their lives, all Israel had ever heard for generations was the land, the land, the land. It was in the heart of every Jew. But Reuben and Gad had accumulated much livestock, many possessions as they journeyed through the wilderness toward the land. And when they came to the edge to Jazir and Gilead, just west of Canaan, which is now present-day Jordan, 
the east side of the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. They saw that it was a suitable place for cattle, and they decided to settle there. Rejecting the promised land and all the promised blessings it held. Just over Jordan, just a few steps away, like Canaan. The land of milk and honey. A land full of wells they did not dig. Cities they did not build. Vineyards they did not plant. All for their possession. If only. But they said, do not take us across Jordan. Moses said, shall your brothers... The other ten tribes, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Yes, it was a land of milk and honey. The land that God Himself had chosen for His own dwelling place. The mountain of God's inheritance which He sought to plant His people in. But it was going to take war to drive out the inhabitants. And possess it fully. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twelve, The kingdom of heaven is taken by force. You believe that there were inhabitants in Canaan that had to be driven out? The book of Joshua is a bloody book. A military book. Not only is there an army rising today. Ron would say there's a navy too. And a marine corps. The book of Joshua is a military conquest, ruthless warfare. But at the end of Joshua 24, verse 28, it says, Joshua dismissed the people, each to his own inheritance. Mission accomplished. There are inhabitants in this land that still need to be driven out. And it can only be taken by force. There's no other way. You see, because we're fighting a spiritual warfare. We have a personal enemy. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy me. And you. And us. And the world. And just look around and you can see it. This day and age. Thank God we have a heavenly home. Thank God our war is not against flesh and blood. Don't let that happen. It's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we do not deal ruthlessly with him, violently with him, he will accomplish His objective and will prevent us from obtaining our inheritance which is rightfully ours in Christ Jesus, our mighty Lord. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. 
Paul writes, I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh sets itself against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And again, in Romans chapter 7, Paul writes this, verse 22 I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. This term, waging war, comes from a Greek word, stratos, which means an encamped army. So Paul is saying there's something in in fleshly man, in, in fallen Adam. And our human nature that's encamped, it's there, it's solid, it's firm, it's got poles in the ground. And it needs to be uprooted. The picture Paul paints here is there's an encamped army in the members of our bodies and it's called the law of sin. And this army has declared war against me. And it holds me captive until and unless I become ruthless and violent with it and take up the weapons of my warfare, which are divinely powerful. The power of God can do what? Break every chain. Every chain. And pull down every fortress. How are the inhabitants of this land enrooted from their encampment and violently driven out? Who will go before us and overcome this strong man and overwhelm its fortified city and smash the descendants of Anak and the Amalekites and Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites and Canaanites? Who will set us free from the body of this death? Caleb answered and said, we shall surely overcome it. Let's go in and we will take it. How? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. For in Christ and through Christ and by Christ, we can destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we can take every thought out of one captivity to another. The obedience of Christ. My wife's had cancer. I had cancer right here in the middle of my forehead. You can see this little thing that grandkids call an on-off button. Like, 
mute you, boy. They push on it. And... Cancer begins with the rebellion of one cell. And if it's not contained, we all know what happens. And even when chemotherapy and all these radiation treatments uh, fight the cancer, if it's not all gone, you get a million cells gone, but only one remains. What's going to happen? It's going to come back. We have to be ruthless with sin. Ruthless. Drive it all out. Now, I sin. <laughs> My wife can testify to this. It happens. But I don't want to tolerate it or encourage it or allow it to fester. And thanks be to God, when I become aware of it, I can confess my sins. And what does the Scripture say? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. But to the extent that I fail to deal with the inhabitants, to that extent I become enslaved them. To Gad and Reuben's credit, they did contribute fighting men to the war effort to drive out the inhabitants of Canaan. They did assist in clearing out the land, but they remained outside. Time passes. For about 700 years, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh live outside in what is present-day Jordan, east of the Dead Sea. But times change. People change. God does not change. Neither does He forget. And the day of judgment finally came. For Reuben and Gad. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 25. But they acted treacherously against the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, even the spirit of Tilgath Pilnezer, king of Assyria, and he carried them away into exile. Who? The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Hela Habor Hara and to the river of Gozan to this day. This deportation, this captivity, foretold by a long line of prophets would go from Assyrian bondage to Babylonian bondage. And not only Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, but all of Israel. Why were they taken into captivity? They acted treacherously against the God of their fathers. They sinned. 
Who were the first to be taken? Reuben and Gad. Those who chose to settle outside the chosen land. Outside the full purpose of God. Those who had said, do not take us across the Jordan. You do know that it's easier to settle in Gilead and Jazir where it's comfortable, right? Where no one's bothering us. There's no one to get in our way. Isn't it easier to watch a basketball game than it is to play in one? Isn't it easier to watch someone go and fight my battles for me instead of actually joining the fight? Isn't it easier to watch someone else get all sweaty and hot and hurt while I race my car around the racetrack but give tribute to those who fight for me so I can make zillions of dollars? Isn't it easier to swing a deal with the devil and just get a little bit involved with the things of God? Isn't it easier to let someone else do the praying, the giving, the witnessing, the serving? Isn't it easier to read about battles than risk your own life by getting involved in one? You know what's mysterious to me? One of the things that's mysterious to me about God? He'll let you settle in Gazir and Gilead. He'll let you. He'll let you choose the path of least resistance. He'll allow you to get just a little bit involved with the things of God, to come occasionally to fellowship when you feel like it. He'll let you get by with a minimum of effort. You can settle for good and miss the best. You see, Gad and Reuben had come out of Egypt the same way their brother tribes had. Through the shedding of blood. They were born again. They had crossed through the sea the same way everyone else had. They were water baptized. They had passed through the cloud. They'd been filled with the Spirit. Along with all the others. Yet they said, don't take us across Jordan. You thought being charismatic was the answer to all your problems. You can experience the exhilaration of new birth in Christ. You can understand the meaning of water baptism. You can be charged with supernatural power through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can come through many wilderness experiences and see the miraculous hand of God. And you can come to the very edge of Canaan and say, do not take me across Jordan. It's a war out here. And it's a war in here. But the kingdom of God must be and will be 
taken violently. For Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Rather, the church will prevail against the gates of hell. While some of us would rather switch than fight, let us be among those who would say, I would rather fight than switch. Will I sit here while my brothers go to war? No. 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 Not as a personal believer, not as a fellowship, not as the body of Christ. Let us rise up in this hour and proclaim the power of God that breaks every chain. Every chain. And let's you and I go into all that God has promised us. To embrace all He's provided. Not to fall short in any form or fashion. But to embrace it all. Christ gave everything that we might have everything. Would you stand? And let's pray. Father, we just lift up our hands and say, God, search our hearts. Search our hearts in this hour. Examine our attitudes, our motivations in this moment. And Lord, if there's anything in us that needs to be dealt with, anything that we're hiding Anything that's a blockage, any attitude, we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, through the power of your Spirit, to break through in our lives today and expose it, that we might deal with it and confess it and say to you, Lord, we want all of you. And as our brother Jack said earlier, when we stand before you face to face, we will know that we have a mighty God who is able and who has promised and followed through and has given us everything necessary for life and godliness through our Lord Jesus. That we would be faithful men and women, faithful servants who have entered Jordan in all its blessing knowing that there are obstacles there and foes and things set against us, yet we go in the power of Jesus Christ who breaks every chain, who levels every mountain, who slays every Goliath. And how we praise You because we've seen Your miraculous power in the past and the mountains ahead look even more looming and larger, we will not shrink back. You've proved yourself over and over and over. And mightier things have yet to be seen. We praise You today. We give You glory, honor, and thanks. 
We love you so much, Jesus. Proud to be called your people. We thank you in his mighty name, the name of Jesus, our Savior. And his people said, Amen. Amen.